Hi guys, I'm Emily DiDonato and welcome to the Remodeling Podcast. I've gone from model to content creator, founder to mother, city to suburbs, and now podcast host. So much change in just these last couple of years. I won't lie, I felt confused and scared, but also excited and inspired by all of my own big shifts. One thing about change is that we are all going through it. Come along with me as I chat with some of the most inspiring women in my network as they share their stories and break down their greatest life and career pivots. If it's time for your very own remodel, grab your headphones and start here. One time, the world-famous award-winning makeup artist Violette asked me to come onto her very popular YouTube channel. Being a model for many years, I was ready for her to do my makeup and make me look stunning, but she actually wanted to watch me do my own makeup. And then she taught me how to do the most epic Bridget Bardot eye on myself that I never thought I could do. And that is why I love this week's guest, Violette. Violette makes makeup feel easy and doable and best of all fun. Violette isn't just a makeup artist, she's also a creative director and the founder of her own brand. In our conversation, we go into her career, motherhood, her postpartum experience, being a brand founder, and how she balances it all. Enjoy. Violette, thank you so much for joining us on the Remodeling Podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course, I am very familiar with you. I was on your YouTube channel many moons ago. I'm such a fan of you and your brand. But for anyone who is listening right now and is not familiar with you, can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? I started as a makeup artist, freelancer, uh, working in fashion, fashion show editorials, and then I started to consult for brands to help them with product development, with their communication, their strategy. My title was Global Beauty Director. So I did um, that role with Gannon today and um, it's a lotter, but I also was your makeup designer when I was 26. And I did some consulting from brands like Sephora, La Mer, etc. So now I have my own brand since two years and a half to make it short. <laughs> Very nice. So this entire podcast is all about the changes and phases and evolutions that we go through as women. And you've had such an interesting career and so many different shifts there. So I kind of want to go back to the beginning just to really get a full, colorful picture of you. I want to know, first of all, how you got into makeup in the first place. It was really an accident because I was studying fashion design and painting and I really loved them both, but I couldn't decide like what would be my next, you know, move. I should focus on one and something was missing in both. And then I came back home one night and my friend was like, oh, we have a costume party tonight. Let's go out. And this time I was young. I was going out all the time. And so we put costume on and then I, she said, like, oh, I'll put glitter on my face. I was like, I never did makeup before. The only thing I knew how to do it was a black smoky eye or red lipstick. That's it. And, um, and uh, she was like, it's fine. It's like painting. It's fine. So I did it and I was like, wow, it's like painting a face and dressing up a face at the same time. So both of my loves in one, maybe I can do this job this way. But I knew... I really knew from my family, like the industry codes, let's say. So I knew you had to go to makeup school and then you had to assist. And I really didn't want that. I wanted to express my vision in makeup in this special way. And so I decided to not go to school, to not assist and just take a calendar, close my eyes, put my finger on it. I was like, oh, in two weeks, I'm going to New York with no visa, no money, barely spoke English. And... <laughs> And that's how it all began. So 
I think that's really interesting and definitely like a non-traditional path. I mean, even I know as a model, like everyone kind of assists first and that's how they figure things out. So you really kind of paved your own way. I need to know how you went from like being a makeup artist or painting people's faces, your friends' faces, to then being like in-house in these massive brands. Like how did that jump happen? So I just painted one friend's face because when I went to New York... My French accent was so strong. I had zero money. When I put my finger on the calendar, I booked the ticket right away. But then until two days before, I didn't have a place to crash. Finally, I can't remember at the time because, you know, it was not so much. Google was such an obscure thing for me. Like it was a yellow pages <laughs> that I used more. <laughs> it makes me look like I'm 90 years old, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, when I moved, I arrived being like, okay, now I have to do it. I remember the next day I, I was like, okay, this is it. What do I do? What do I start with first? Well, I should learn a little bit about makeup because I had really zero idea. I never wore foundation. I went to a bookstore. I thought they must have a book about makeup there. And they did, thanks to Kevin O'Quinn. So Kevin O'Quinn was my teacher. I sat down in the library and like, read the whole book and was like, okay, I understand. So foundation first and powder. Uh, he uses a lot of yellow undertone. But because I had the training in painting, and my training in painting was actually to create your own medium, your own paint. So I knew how to mix color and to, to create dimension on faces. So most of the things, I, I got it. I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. So then once that was done, I was like, okay, I need a kit. I had this tiny suitcase that I still have in my office. That is like from the 50s, it's like leather suitcases. So it doesn't look like a makeup artist kit at all. I, I don't know how I thought everything will fit in. And I went to Sephora to buy products, but then I was like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. There's no way. Like I was eating pasta every day. Like I could not afford it. And then I saw that Mike was doing pigments with bases to make your own eyeshadow, your own lipstick, your own mascara. I was like, okay, this I know. That's, that's my training in art. So I bought a few of these primary colors. And so my kit, when you opened it at the time, was just these pigments, these mixing things. And I was like, okay, this is it. Then I took the yellow pages, look at models, agencies, call them, say, hey, I'm a free makeup artist for new faces. If they need a girl to do their makeup for photographers. And one agency said, yeah, sure, actually. And they connected me with two photographers. And when I met them, they were like even more traumatized than me. They didn't know who they were creatively. And me, I'm an Aries, so I'm like, even if I don't know, I know, you know, <laughs> your friends. And I was like, it's fun, dude. Let me work this out. What do we want to say? What's the art direction? It was like, oh, what? <laughs> and so I kind of right away, I was like, let me help you on this. Because I was more an image maker because of my art background than and uh, the aesthetic part of makeup. So it was super fun for me to do that. So I started makeup with this global vision of image, and that's how my work evolved throughout the years. That's amazing. That's one of my favorite things about you. I do feel like you have such a strong vision and that's so clear. That's clear in so many things in your own personal brand. I do want to take a few steps forward though. So you went from kind of painting new faces, going into the fashion side of things. But to me, when I think of you, you were one of the first people in the fashion industry who I think started a YouTube channel. And I do want to touch on that quickly because I think that's so interesting about you. And I remember when I started a YouTube channel, people were like, 
what? Like, do you yeah. want to be, a <laughs> are you trying to be like a vlogger? Like people made fun of me. Your YouTube channel is so beautiful, obviously. And clearly, cause you're, you have such a vision. Why did you decide to enter that world and show makeup from that point of view? Yeah, I had the same issue that, as you. Trust me, people were like so puzzled by this idea. So I used Instagram as my portfolio at the time when I moved. So then I moved back to France for years and I moved back again to New York eight years ago. And so I had to build my name in the US in the fashion industry. So I had to start over basically. And so I use Instagram as my portfolio for the fashion industry. And then I realized I started to have a following that was bigger and bigger of people that were not from the fashion industry. And they were just asking me, oh, I love this look because my aesthetic was very specific. Oh, I love this look. How can I create it? I would spend two hours a day respond to people. And I felt so good doing this because it gave dimension to my work because in France, I was working every single day, the biggest things. It was so fun, amazing. I was on top of my own like ladder, let's say. But it was me, myself, and I, in a way. And then suddenly I connect with people and I help them feel good about themselves and be inspired. I was like, wow, this is it. This is my new chapter. I'm glad I did what I did before, but this is it. And so I thought, let me help and do a tutorial to show them how to do this and inject the philosophy behind it because it's not just technical. So I said, let me, let me why not, not do a YouTube channel? But the goal was... It was never a strategy to build YouTube. Like I never had a whole plan. I'm launching a YouTube channel. This is what I'm going to do. I never thought make money from it. That was just to create content, to put it out there, to share my philosophy, help people be inspired by themselves and have another voice in the beauty industry that is telling people something else. Because I struggled, especially moving to the US with this voice in the beauty industry that was like, you need fixing, you need to be perfect, you need contouring, you need to, to be snatched and all these things. And I was like, no, 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 you don't need any of this. And so that's why I wanted to raise my voice. And that's it. Not strategic on a business level at all. I think that's amazing. And it clearly like is authentic and coming from you. And I absolutely love the way that you teach makeup. And I remember watching your channel because it, I, you made me feel like I could do it. You know, I felt like when I would watch you, it was also at a time where you're right. People were snatched and contouring and it felt so complicated and confusing. Like I was like, I could never like carve my brows like this. Do you think for you, you felt more passionate about connecting with just like a large scale of people? Or do you think for you, it was more so that you wanted to teach people how to do their makeup? It's, it's really, again, I had a struggle saying teaching. I, that's why I mostly say inspiring because like I could show you very great makeup artist technique that I've done on set on the most complicated shoot I ever done, like crazy stuff. But I don't think that's useful to anyone. So on YouTube, I'm not here to teach those techniques. I do very, very easy technique that I do myself on myself. And I'll share that with you. But I don't think there is enough, really any 
teaching, I think it would, it would be more inspiring. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You definitely have an inspiring way of like being daring about color, which I definitely want to talk more about that when we talk about your brand a little bit later, because I think you do that so beautifully. I liked earlier how you mentioned YouTube almost being like a new chapter, and I want to dive into another chapter of yours. You have two children, and I know you not so long ago gave birth, as did I. Um, I want to talk about motherhood and kind of how that has been for you so far. It was definitely a chapter that changed my life, but in such a good way. I've never had this fear at work in my professional life, ever. Like I think it's probably my superpower. But I was anxious. Like I always had a conscious anxiety. And I had my first daughter, and finally this thing fell down. And I never had it again. Of course, sometimes I feel anxious and stuff, but it's not a constant feeling at all. Like it's rare that I feel anxious. And I think it's because, at least for me, I don't think it's for everybody, but maybe for me, I was a bit too self-centered, thinking about my anxiety, thinking about my issues, thinking about my struggles, uh, I don't know, in an unconscious level. And so when I had my kid, all I cared about was she's okay. And so it put everything in perspective and really changed my focus on life, but in a natural way. It's like zero effort. So that's one thing for sure that 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 gave me, uh, that saved me so much, so much. But it, postpartum has been really tough for me the first time. So that's, this is also something to talk about because like I always say like motherhood gave me superpower and it, remove my anxiety and stuff. Yeah, but I had an adjustment phase that was quite, oh my gosh, I felt like I was on a boat, you know, on the ocean and during a storm. Like it was really not easy. Yeah. I mean, I feel the exact same way. And I feel like with my first, much more difficult than my second. What for you do you think was the hardest for postpartum for you? Was it just the adjustment of this new life, the new role, or trying to blend it all together and finding the balance, which by the way, do you ever find the balance? Who knows? Which part do you think for you was the most difficult? So I think for anxious people, and they need a routine because I always had a crazy life, like traveling all the time and changing jobs all the time. But I had some sort of routine, I think, in this mess. And then suddenly when the routine changes, when you move apartments or you change your job, definitely these are big changes. Uh, So that was for me how I'm built psychologically. That was already like a trigger. But then the hormonal shock, like to suddenly filled with hormone. And I'm with this person inside of me and I feel her. Like I, I feel like I'm sharing my body, which was not my favorite thing, but this was something, a miracle like to me. And I'm with her and then suddenly she's out of me. And now I feel like she's unsafe. How do I keep her safe? So it was like my brain was harassing yeah. me. I had vision of things that could happen to her constantly. I don't know if you experienced this. I did, this. yes. You did? Yeah. <gasps> like, I'm in the stairs with her. I'm seeing she's going to fall, like, constant. Yeah, I think they call it catastrophic thoughts. Like, you think of, like, absolute tragedies happening. And I think it's, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it's obviously, like, a form of postpartum anxiety, I think. But I had the same thing. I felt like a prison in my own mind because I was having these like horrific thoughts and you have this like fragile little baby and you're like, 
Why is my brain doing this to me? If anyone is going through postpartum right now and listening to this, was there a pivotal moment for you that things got better? Was it time? Yeah, for short time. Magnesium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, you know what? I had severe anemia, which I didn't know. Mm. That really can, like, to have, like, um, just a checkup with your doctor regularly, I think it's important. Um, talking with my husband, that was very interesting what happened between us. And I, I want to share it in case it helps anyone out there. But my husband and I have been, like, best friends. Because we were friends before becoming lovers. And we have this kid suddenly. I had an emergency C-section. I was very, it took 36 hours of labor. I got very, very scared from what happened and the whole procedure. And um, after that, for three weeks, I couldn't walk. I was in bed losing a lot of blood and I was really in so much pain and couldn't walk. So I just for people that have C-section, it, it doesn't have to be this way, like my second it was amazing. Everything was amazing. So I don't want to create fears. But I was I was this plus the postpartum depression and, and feeling really, really bad. And so we were not talking. I think for him, he was also going through a hard time because he was about he had to adjust to this new life. And you know, he was like eight, eight years older than me. So he has lived as a single man for so long. And suddenly he has this baby and it's very like a shock for him as well. Like for some parents, it's supernatural, but for us, it was like an adjustment. And he doesn't talk to me about it because, which I didn't know he was going through this. So I had no idea. Just what I felt is that we were not together really anymore. Like he looked like we were loving each other and with our baby so happy. And, and but energetically on a deeper level, I didn't feel this usual connection because I was going through shit and I couldn't, I struggled talking to him about it and him the same. And then one day, finally, I think I said something that kind of triggered him. And then he said, like, I'm not okay. And, I, and I'm like, what do you mean you're not okay? Yes, I'm going through a hard time as well adjusting. And it's like a curtain lift up. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I never checked in with you. And, and of course, for women that deliver and their body is hurt and you have the chromosome, it's harder. Like, sorry, it is the mm -hmm. truth. But it doesn't mean the other person is not feeling anything. It's totally fine. And and I said to him, but why you didn't say anything? And he said, because it's like we both had a car accident. Of course, it's not what happened. But like, if you have to put an image. And your legs are broken and your back is broken. But I only have a little finger that's broken. Of course, I'm just going to shut up with my pain and support you. And so I said, you know what? There's no ladder of pain, like struggle we should be still be best friends and talk about it. And from that day, everything went back to this amazing place because we just needed to connect again. And I think that would be my advice is that there's no competition. So it's just to communicate. There's no ladder of, of pain or whatever. Just talk. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I remember feeling the exact same way postpartum with my first, especially. And I remember that I wasn't really able to have that perspective until I was quite a few months out after having the baby because you're so inward and experiencing so much inside your body. The idea of fathoming someone else's like pain and sadness or confusion or adjustment, you're just like, no, 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 no. It's me, not you. But then I felt like once I got over the hump, I was like, oh, wait, 
you too. Like I get it now. So I think that's amazing that you brought that up and it is an important part of the postpartum picture. Just remembering that you guys are a team. So what about for postpartum for round number two? Did you feel like that was a more seamless experience for you? Oh my gosh, so much seamless. I'm so grateful I had this experience because if I didn't have Lune, my second daughter, I would have never kind of like healed this first experience. So of course, schedule C-section. This time I knew what was going to happen. Um, instead of an emergency, you know, they were playing music in the operating room. Everybody was such in a good mood. And then this time I could hold my baby. The first time I couldn't. And so I got back on my feet after three days. I know. And I was like, wow, what, how, oh my God, this is so great. And then I was more prepared of a support system for postpartum. Like um, our parents was there. I knew I, I needed to eat well. I had, you know, my therapist on the line. Um, I, everything was set up better so I could take care also of myself better. And um, and having help at night was this time absolutely life changing. I'm so glad that you were like able to have that support system in place and kind of have that healing chapter after the first round. I think that's so important. And I, I felt kind of the same way with my second. So you have your second baby though, and now you have two children and you also have your own brand, which I want to talk about, but I have to hit this question first. How do you think about or approach the mom work-life balance? Do you have any tips or tricks or how you, how you do it? Well, I would say I'm an extremely privileged situation because I'm the employer, so I, I can, you know, set this, the, the rules in my company and, and adapt to my own life, and that's such an incredible luxury. It comes with risk. It's on me to make this successful, and my whole, like, like you know, way of working, they make, you know, all the, so many people depends from it, my employees, so it has a lot of risk, but today, at least, um, I can kind of be flexible. So I don't know how much advices I can give because of my kind of like um, not so unique, but a bit unique uh, position, you know, mm -hmm. like of this privilege. Today, I'm able to, um, you know, really do every morning routine with my kids, every night routine. I drop off my, my bigger daughter to school. Uh, I'm present as much as I can and... Uh, but um, I think the key, that's an advice that's universal with kids, it's not so much a quantity, it's a quality. And my husband has been the biggest inspiration for that. He's so present. I never met anyone like this. Like with me, with the kids, with anybody he is, it's like you're the only thing that matters in that moment. And when he's with the kids, he's seeing them. He's connecting with them. And and. I could feel like with my two jobs and so my brain was constantly thinking of work and things I had to do. And so I was kind of like checking the boxes of what I had to do with the night routine with the kids, get them dressed, like do this, do that, instead of just being in the moment. And I see him being really chill and enjoying, let's get distracted by this and laugh about it for a second with the kids. And at the end of the day, we arrive at the same arrival line at the same time. But he looks like he's losing so much time. So how is that working? I don't know. So I'm like embracing this. And since um, Luna is born, my second one, and because I really want to be present also for, the, for both of them now, 
and it works like to be much more present not with my phone um, is great so like just quality time and be present with them is the best advice. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. It's, I mean, it's allowing your partner to influence you in a positive way. Like we're inspired by how our partners like have their strengths and how we can adopt them. So I think that is a wonderful thing. I do want to dive into your brand next. So I actually don't know the answer to this and I'm glad that I don't. I want to know how did you decide to start your own makeup brand? So I always knew, and it's funny because back in the day, I wanted to be an ar- archaeologist. My icon was Tom Raider. <laughs> I wanted to become... I was not <laughs> expecting that. I swear. That was, and I think that still is. Like, I just was like, she has the coolest life ever. She has this huge castle that looks like it's falling apart, sort of. But she doesn't care. She's just like going through the world and discovering things and being fantastic and so that's you know as women we didn't have that much like superhero in to look so she was kind of mine and uh and the discovery of the planet that was kind of my thing and but I was looking at this black red rose I found in this uh, rose garden in Paris and I was like oh my gosh we should make a lipstick out of this so I thought you know I could just make it on the side between two uh, expeditions (laughs) and so when I started makeup, I had these pigments I told you about. And then I started to build and create my own things. And I realized, oh, I'm making liquid eyeshadows. Oh, I'm making glossy eyeshadows. And I'm making velvet lipsticks. Why none of this is on the market? And then I decided I'll do my brand. So I've been thinking of doing my brand for, I mean, 15 years before working on it officially. But all these years, I have been like, typing recipes of things I've done, taking pictures of what I liked. Like it was being built in in the background. I love that. And I love how much like color inspired you and your brand and kind of working backwards to create them. I do have a question. I feel like you have this perfect balance for my vision of like creative brain and business brain. Is that correct? Like, how do you merge these two things? Because I feel like you're like seeing colors and getting inspired. And then you're also (laughs) doing this massive brand that is beautiful and so successful. How do they merge? I need advice. (laughs) Well, thank you, first of all. Um, I think business is actually very inspiring to me. So they're not disconnected in my brand. In French, we call this vase communicant, which means like vases that are connected by the water. It's like you're pouring water in. Do that make sense? You know what I mean? So for me, my brand, it goes from one to the other constantly. Um, I never look... Like, my way of doing business is very creative. I, I would say that. Like, I never look at trends. I never look at trends books or meet with trend companies. I never look at what's successful in another brand. Uh, we do products from scratch. Now I just finished my ideas into until end of 27 so my design no I'm not going to be able to I mean I have like years to come I have other ideas but I have to like filter because I feel like it's endless the ideas but because we also do what doesn't exist on the market that kind of that's great that's helping me give me a guideline uh, and then I pitch I pitch labs on the products and only when it's about to be ready we put them on the calendar and usually big brands they will you know in 24, April 24, we launched the blush and you have to make it work. I don't work this way. 
uh, I work more like a couture house where we have to craft everything from scratch and then when it's ready, okay, we can show it to the world. So the way I do business is very creative in that way. Then, you know, there are some areas where it's really not my forte, like finance, but I had to learn and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to understand and why is it good? Because it helps me understand my business from a whole 360 and protect it and not silo anything. And I'm really trying to build something 360. So I, I'm trying to, to, to be like this. So I think that's, it's inspiring me. Like even retail, like our retail strategy, it's based, I launched at Mika first with a big retailer in Australia because I knew they were great to build brands. It's one market we cannot access to because it's too far. So I test how it's going, what's working. Then I see what people like. So instead of taking the elevator, I always say I want to take the stairs. So I can really build like a, a modern maison of a company. And so I think you see like the creativity is like impacting the business and vice versa. Yeah, I, I really love that, how you're able to layer it. And I love that you say that you're kind of inspired creatively by your business. I never think about it like that. It's very like left brain, right brain to me, but I really love the way that you articulated that. I am curious. It sounds like so much of your inspiration comes from colors that you see in your life. How much is your brand inspired by French beauty? I ask this because you're just the quintessential French girl. I want to know what French beauty means to you. Anytime me, the most American person ever talks about French beauty, like one time I recreated one of your makeup looks and it like went so viral. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just putting on red lipstick because Violette told me to. So I am curious <laughs> how much of your brand is inspired by that. So I would say like it's so infused in the soul of the brand, but it's not, we're not trying to be a French brand. Like it's naturally there because I'm, Parisian, I, I'm 20 years experience in the beauty industry and I built my career first in France for much more years than I did in the US. But I think it's kind of lame to be surfing on a, on my culture, like mm. cool French girl. Because what does that mean to you? It means like you have to be French to be cool. I'm saying like to be French is cool. Like I feel like it's so not inclusive and uninspiring to me. And I know they are super moneymaker words and if we used it more we would probably make more money but I, I, I just the life I cannot do that but what I do is I try with a journalist American journalist really helped me thinking of it they ask me all the time I interviews every day what's a French girl beauty what does that mean and honestly I was like what are they talking about I have no idea and then I, I had to look at it and study it and then I understood it was actually our life philosophy that's impacting our look. And that's why our look is so identifiable. And so my brand is about going to the source. I'm kind of like jumping over the French aesthetic. I go to the source because I think that's more helpful to you. If I can share my philosophy, the French philosophy, and we forget that it's French, I remove that world. And then I tell you, the goal is to be happy in order to be happy, you have to love yourself because acceptance is freedom. And therefore, you don't need to fix anything. You don't need to hide anything. You have to do skincare and hair care to take care of what Mother Nature gave you. And you have to do color to celebrate you. And this version you are right now is perfect. Yes, there is evolution, but this is tomorrow. Right now, love this one. And so this is a French philosophy, and this is my brand. And so we forget the French thing. 
this is more useful to you to know like, oh, French girl is like dewy skin and red lipstick. I absolutely love that. And I think that is beautiful inspiration for your brand. What do you think is the most important thing to you when you're creating a new product for the brand? Is it color, the inspiration, where it comes from, pigmentation, the quality of product, the packaging? What do you feel like you take into mind first and foremost? I think the inspiration is always an accident. Mm. So this is what comes first. For example, when I was in Australia touring for makeup launch, we went to this art uh, park. I'm walking outside and my gosh, my team, thank God they're like, now they're on board with my weirdness sometimes, but I see this silver thingy on the floor and it's shining. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? It looks like glitter and and then they're like, oh, it's a snail, like, how do you call it? Mucus, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Slime, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but it looks like silver glitter. It's incredible. And I was taking pictures. I was like, oh my gosh, that should be our next year paint. And, and um, that's kind of how I work. So I don't know what comes first. You know, the idea comes first and then the rest kind of follows naturally. But it's never... Like it's always something in life that happens. I love that because it kind of reminds you that inspiration is all around you. You just kind of have to take a moment to take it in. Like, I don't know if I'm taking those moments. So you're, you're inspiring me to do that. I want to talk to you or ask you, and then I want to talk about kind of some of your beauty routines and must have products. But first I do just to round out the business side of things. Are there any lessons that you have learned from starting your business for anyone who is about to start their own that you could pass on? I think it's, to me, the focus should be on mastering self-confidence and anchor and connecting to your instinct. So that's about you part. Like, you know the answers. It's inside of you. Listen to your instinct. You have to anchor yourself because the wind is going to blow and you have to make sure you're going to stand your ground. And then you have to trust yourself because a lot of people are going to be voices in your head telling you it's not good, it's not right constantly. But are they creating a brand? Is there any inspiring thing about them? Yes or no? I don't know. What matters is that you stand your ground and then you can open up easier into getting inspired or not. So that's the about you part. And then the about the outside. That is very key. It's being humble because being secure and confident doesn't mean not being humble. Being humble is to be aware of what you don't know. It's fine. Always ask questions, no stupid question. You always want like people that are really smart in the room that challenges you. Don't don't place your ego in the wrong place, you know, because I love to change my mind. It's totally fine. Like I don't need to prove like I know everything to nobody. So that's for me the key. And and then it allows you to, to build a team that will complete you uh, and make you grow. And then um, no, I think I said it like the ego thing, mm-hmm. like really to to not have your ego in the way. This balance to me is the focus because when you master that, then there's so much room to grow. I love that. Yeah, that's great advice and definitely resonates with me. I do want to shift gears. I want to talk about beauty and your products and your routine. So you're a mom of two. What does your beauty routine look like today? I mean, it's quick. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I'm kind of... um, I, I try, though, even though it's quick, to set attention when I'm intention when I'm doing it of, like, a moment of tenderness for myself. 
like this morning I woke up a bit like oh my gosh my day is crazy oh my god I was in this like sort of vibe and I and I kind of repeated myself when I was brushing my teeth I'm taking care of myself I'm taking care of myself like you know I love my body I love my teeth I'm cleaning them because I love them like sending this love message not no I have to clean this freaking teeth and then I have to do my hair and then I have to run take the kids no like just send love message to yourself and so that's one but then it's quick like I, in the morning I just rinse my face I don't wash I'm very sensitive skin I don't think my pillows is uh, putting stuff on my face I need to have a cleanser on top so I just wash it with water then I have my boom boom milk which is a three in one and then I finish with cedar cream and when I'm out I put SPF on top um, and that's it and then at night I do double cleanse, although I must say the cover, um, cleanser, Covey, Covey? Covey, yes. There's a French way. Um, it's great because it cuts down steps. So I love I'm this. glad. Uh, no, it's really, I was really impressed the first time. I was like, wow, finally somebody thought of like a one step cleanser. <laughs> and um, and the same, we will milk and cedar cream and, and, and that's it. Like, very Would you say those are the key products? If no one's tried your brand before, should they dive in with those first? Or do you have a baby, a favorite? I mean, definitely Boom Boom Milk. Even if I had to tell you just one, Boom Boom Milk has been like a game changer for people's skin. Good to know. So I do want to ask the main theme of this podcast is change and transition. What is one of the biggest changes or transitions that you are going through right now? Uh, I am getting through, I guess, the the phase of changing um, a decade. I'm going to be 40 in a few months. And I really feel like all my friends told me, you'll see when you get closer to 40, something's going to happen inside of you. And I was like, yeah, right. It's really happening. Like, I feel like I'm, everything is changing inside of me. My priorities, my vision of things is changing. And, uh, and it's a very strange time <laughs> this transition I totally totally get that but thank you for sharing because I feel like that's the thing about change is everyone's going through it and it can look easy and seamless but sometimes it's like uncomfy and we're all kind of figuring our yeah. way through it do you have anything coming up whether it be you as a makeup artist your brand you as a creative anything coming up that you would like to share Mm, we just launched our products for the year. So I guess what I'm the most excited about is a very new product coming for our anniversary next year. But it's in a long time. It's like early April. Okay. Well, we're going to stay tuned. We're going to wait. It's really special. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Violette. Where can everybody find you? So you can find us uh, on Instagram, which is Violette underscore F are, yeah, that's it. And the website is violettefr.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're an amazing guest. You're so inspiring. And this was great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. Sitting down for these conversations really gives me so much life and so much inspiration. I can't wait to share who's up next. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to keep up with us on Instagram for upcoming guests and episodes. I'm at Emily DiDonato. We can't wait for all that's to come. See you soon.